The following is a recording from St. Paul's Episcopal Church on September 29th, 2019 in Richmond, Virginia. Enjoy. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Jesus said there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, Remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father... I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to him. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. And he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. In the back of our Book of Common Prayer is a catechism. It is an outline for learning about our faith. In the catechism, we get answers to questions that deal with The church, prayer, ministry, and other doctrines such as the Trinity. Let's look at the Book of Common Prayer and turn to the Catechism. Page 845, if you can find it. So I always point people to the catechism. If they ask me, just what does this mean or what does that mean? It's good to go here. These are question and answer format, and they don't dig too deep. They kind of (laughs) give, you know, just simple responses that might pique your curiosity. All right, so you see we learn about human nature, God the Father, the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments. Sin and redemption, God the Son, so forth and so on. But one of my favorite, favorite questions and answer is on page 855. So turn to page 855. 
I was talking to a vestry member the other day about what, what is the mission of the church? What are we called to do? What are our goals? And here we have it. Top of page 855. What is the mission of the church? What is it? Tell me. All right. That's it. You can put your books away. That's what we are called to do, and we are all called to do that in our own particular way. Every church is called to do that in its own particular way. We each have a charism, a gift to bring to this mission. The mission of the church is to restore all people to unity with God and with each other. To restore all people to unity. The mission is about relationships. It suggests that there once was a time when there was complete unity. Somewhere along the line, though, that unity was disrupted. And through Christ's death and resurrection, that unity is possible once again. And the mission of the church is to bring people back to that place of unity, to restore all people to unity with God and each other. Now, today in our gospel lesson, It's interesting because we hear an example not of unity, but of distance. You remember that last week Jesus tells that ridiculously confusing parable about wealth. And it ends with that you can't love both God and money. And the Pharisees are sneering at Jesus for saying this. And so Jesus tells this particular story that we hear today to those Pharisees. And it begins with the same opening line as the parable last week. There once was a certain rich man. This rich man had fine clothes and a full table. Scripture tells us that he enjoyed a feast every single day. There was another man, though, just outside of his door. And the man probably would have looked familiar, probably would have had a permanent position at the gate because that's where people often gathered to beg. I would imagine that the rich man passed by this poor man several times, and I wonder if he noticed him. But we know something is up here because the poor man is named. His name is Lazarus. And whenever anybody is named in Scripture... That is important. So Jesus is pointing his hearers to this most unlikely hero of the story, someone who was poor. Anyway, both of the characters die, and the rich man goes down to Hades and is tormented. But Lazarus goes to be at Abraham's side. So here at Abraham's side, at his bosom, Lazarus is finally getting everything he needs. He is taken care of. And the rich man looks up, and can you believe it? He tries to get Lazarus to work for him again. Send Lazarus to do this. Send Lazarus to do that. And Abraham responds, child, are you crazy? That's my translation. Between you and us is a great chasm, a great distance. 
And there's no way for you to get here and for us to get there. So I want to focus on that particular snippet of this gospel, that great chasm that exists. It's interesting that the rich man is now greatly affected by the chasm in the afterlife. And he was completely unaware of the chasm that existed between him and this poor man all of his life. He just wasn't aware of it. He didn't see it. He was blind to the distance. There was a great chasm that was created by the rich man's wealth. There was a great chasm created by the societal structures of the day. And there was a great chasm because Lazarus was obviously suffering. And the rich man was not in touch with that suffering. Mostly, though, the chasm existed because the rich man overlooked Lazarus, treated him as though he had no name, treated him as though he did not exist. Again, the chasm was there the whole time. And only now, in the afterlife, does the rich man know the man's name. And takes notice. When I first arrived at my former parish in Bloomington, Indiana, there was talk of opening a shelter. At the time, the shelters in the Bloomington area were ones that required its occupants to pass a breathalyzer test. If they couldn't pass this test, they would be sent out into the freezing Midwest nights. And we heard stories of our homeless sisters and brothers losing fingers and toes to the cold. My congregation then engaged in a very thoughtful, intentional process discussing what it would be like to open a low barrier shelter in the winter months in our parish hall. And we knew it wouldn't be easy, but we also knew that it wasn't right to turn people away because they suffered with addiction issues. Eventually, we opened a shelter in our hall and began to sleep 60 guests per night. And we did it to save lives, but we also did it to form relationships. We wanted to know these people who were sleeping and begging at our city's gates. Eventually, we came to know these siblings, not as those homeless people, but as Scotty and Daryl and Durrell and Brian. We learned their stories. And the shelter was this church's way of restoring people to unity with God and with each other. It was their way of narrowing that chasm. Now, don't get nervous. I'm not suggesting that we begin a shelter here. Is every church called to open a shelter? No. But every church is called to explore the ways to bridge the gaps that exist between God and God's children. St. Paul's also has its own ways of doing that work. Every Thursday, people gather in Scott Hall to feed and to be fed. You put socks on their feet. You mentor children. You help sustain a village in Wittakira. 
You show up at pride festivals, even when it's a thousand degrees, to make sure that people know that they are welcome in the Episcopal Church. You visit each other and you take care of each other and you give each other communion. On your behalf, I gathered with a group of imams and rabbis last week, closing the gap, being in conversation. You're working to bridge your past with your present. All of these ministries are so important and all of these ministries require our participation and our attention. There are educational gaps. There are financial gaps. There are racial gaps. There are societal gaps that threaten God's vision of unity. And yes, the chasm seems wide, but little by little, in our own ways, we will close it. And for going on 175 years, St. Paul's has been a voice that preaches across the chasms. And with God's direction and with your help, we will continue to do so. So what's the next step? Well, if we look to our story today, it calls out to us with a next step. To notice. Do not get used to seeing the Lazaruses that are in our path. Do not grow immune to those who lay on the margins of our society. Stay awake to the ways that God is calling us to be in relationship with each other. And I'm sure you've all developed your own way of managing the Lazaruses that we pass that are on our streets. But you might consider the next time you run across someone who suffers in this way, of course, be safe. But you might consider asking her her name. It just might be a first step toward closing that divide. Lazarus's name translated means helped by God. So what's the good news of our story? Well, unfortunately for the rich man, not such great news, right? Maybe it's too late for him. But there are those five siblings, you know, the ones that Lazarus tries to, or the rich man tries to save. It's not too late for them. They have what they need to make different choices with their lives. They have scripture. They have prophets. They have a community. The rich man's brothers have everything they need not to end up like him. They only have to pay attention and notice. I wonder if those five siblings are here at St. Paul's today. Are you here? Won't you join this church in narrowing those gaps, offering a cool drink to those who thirst? May God bless you. May God bless us as we seek to live into our mission to restore all people to unity with God and with each other through Christ, the awakened and risen one. Amen.